are things in our lives that um, they're just so unique and they're so different and they just kind of stand out in our memory or in our, it's like you have this thing happen to you and think, I've got to tell somebody about this. And the other night we were driving home from Falls Creek. My son and I saw this thing. It was so weird because it was way up on the side of the interstate and it was like something was eating a pickup. And it, the whole thing was bouncing. It was moving around like I thought, what is that? You know, there are certain things you've got to take a picture of, right? And I, I, I didn't have my camera with me. The other day I saw something on my mail route. Somebody had taken a, an extension cord and tied their mailbox to the, to the post with the extension cord. I thought, I've got to take a picture of this. You'll never see anything like this again. Uh, first, then I checked to see if the extension cord was running up the house to see if it was a trick, you know. But, but anyway, I was driving home with Aaron the other night, and I saw this thing. It was like a pickup was getting eaten, and we get up close to it. And what it was was a really big flatbed uh, wrecker picking up a small flatbed wrecker, which on the back of the small flatbed wrecker was a pickup. And the whole thing was bouncing around because he was trying to get that flatbed pickup up on the flatbed truck. Up on the, I was... I thought, you're not going to see that every day. There are just some things you're not going to see every day, and you want to tell people about it. I remember when I was a youngster, when the space shuttle was first come out, and they were landing it out at uh, California, and, and they'd have to fly it back to Florida for the next launch. Well, it, they would stop here at Tinker. Any of y'all ever go out to see that when you were back in the day? You remember it, don't you, Jeff? I had, that was the most amazing thing. That big old 747 come cruising around, and it would land at Tinker Field. You'd go out there and take pictures. It was the most amazing thing. There are some events like that. You just, I've got to share that. I've got to tell people about that. And some of you can probably identify with that. And you, you know, you've, you've, something happens in your day. Something happens in your life. I've, most of us have heard that. You'll never believe how those people drive. I almost got ran over today. Anybody hear that last week? Many of us probably do. So, if, I can tell you this. If I saw a clown hitchhiking, I would, I would at least tell somebody. <laughs> Not sure I'd pick him up. You know, it's just these things. There are things you want to tell somebody. Like if I find a $100 bill, I may not tell anybody. Well, yes, I probably would. But there are just things you've got to tell. You've got to share. It's hard to hold in some news items. I wonder in your family, who is the weather monitor? Who is it that always watch the weather and they always know and they're ready to share in a moment's note? Well, the weatherman said, and if y'all know who it is. Who in your family? You know who it is because they're the one you go back to when it doesn't rain. I thought you said it was going to rain. And what do they do? They deflect. It wasn't my fault. It was that woman you gave me. Or wait, wait that came out wrong. It was the weatherman you gave me. Today, we're going to see that very fact of life lived out in the true story we have of Jesus here in Scripture in Mark chapter number 2. We finished with Mark chapter 1. Go ahead and open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 2. And we're going to look at the very first two verses of that second chapter of Mark. And we're going to see how, in the life of Christ, things had begun to happen and things had begun to change just enough that the, the, the Word was getting out. And we're going to see that here this morning. And I've got two different Bible versions here I want to read from this morning because the way that it just it's it's neat to see the differences and the way it works out. But chapter two, verses number one and two. Let me read these aloud as you read along. Mark chapter two, verse one. And when he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home, 
and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, even near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Now let me read it to you out of the, the old King James Version. This is a couple of words in it that make it really kind of interesting. It says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Noised. And that's kind of the, the image that I got of noise. You find a $100 bill, you're going to noise that around. You know? Because you just don't find those. People don't drop those. You might find a $5 bill or something. And I'm saying that as a mail carrier. Gary, you know, we turn those in, don't we? Okay. Of course we do. Depends on where you find it. If it's on somebody's yard, if it's in the street, meh. Street money's my money. Moving right along. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word to them. I want to focus in on a couple of things as we go through this scripture. And I want you to see, because just two short verses, but there's a lot of information here. Because we, we see the word there uh, in verse 1, in, in the King James it was again. It says he came back. He came back from his preaching tour. Now, we, to know what he was doing, we have to go back to verses 38 and 39 of the last chapter where Jesus explained to his disciples, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby in order that I may preach there also. For that is what I came out for. And he went into the synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. He came back from his preaching tour. It was a circuit of many of the little small towns, larger villages, whatever town it was. There was no town too small. There was no town too large. There was no synagogue that was left untouched. Jesus would go into a town and he would teach. Maybe he had to do it in the street. Oftentimes he'd do it in a field, like on a slope, so that he could speak and many of the people could hear him as, as, from the bottom of that, from the, of that slope. But Jesus did this over and over in all the little towns and villages there in the northern end of, of, the, of the Galilee area. It, it was kind of like he would travel... He'd come into a town, he would teach, he would touch people, and then he would repeat that at the next town. Kind of like on your, your, your shampoo bottle where it says, lather, rinse, repeat. Well, Jesus was doing that. He would travel, teach, touch, repeat. So he was doing this all through these different towns up there. Kind of like the old circuit rider preachers back in the old days. Kids, you will never believe this. But way back in the day, in the early days of our country, before there were churches in every town, there would, there would be a little town grow up that wouldn't be able to afford a church house. Maybe they'd have a schoolhouse, and there would be a preacher who would ride from another town on his horse and, and preach in their church. And a lot of Sundays, this circuit-riding preacher might preach five different places. Like he'd start off at a 9 o'clock service at this town, get on his horse and ride to a 12 o'clock service in that town, and the people at the town would just wait for him to get there. They'd go to church early in the morning, just be there all day, fellowshipping with the church people. Here, he's preaching at noon, gets on his horse, preaches at one at the next town, preaches at four at the next town. He's just, the whole day was church for him, and the whole day was church for a lot of those people. A circuit-riding preacher, because there weren't enough preachers to go around. So Jesus is doing this, but now he's back from that. And he's at home, it says there in the, in the New American Standard. It says Jesus is in the house in the King James Version. He, where is that? Well, Jesus didn't rent a house. He had gone back, and now he is again at Simon Peter's house where he was back in chapter number 1. He's at home, if you will. And on this circuit, I can just tell you that because we know from Scripture, I'm not making this up, I'm not just speculating, we know that there had been dozens and dozens of demons dispatched. Okay, There had been myriads and myriads of miracles ministered. There had been hundreds and hundreds of healings handed out. 
And he was busy doing all that. The whole geographic region of the northern end of, of the Galilee there had been touched by the healing, delivering, saving power of God through the ministry of Jesus. And now almost everyone had some story. You talk to anybody, oh yeah, I've heard of Jesus. He did this for my aunt, or he did this for my uncle, or he did this for my wife. Some relative of mine, some friend of mine was delivered. Some child of mine was healed. Jesus had, had touched and driven out diseases and demons all over that area. So it made news when Jesus got back to this larger coastal town there of, of Capernaum. Of course, now, remember, there were no banners, there were no commercials, there were no announcements made. No, it was all word of mouth. And when it says there in the King James, or it was heard there, it's, it's, it was noised, that was noise. That, that was how it worked. It was, all, it was all word of mouth. Now, back in the day, they told me, and I don't know if this is true or not, Gary, but they said the three fastest forms of communication was telephone, telegraph, and telewoman. Is that right? Isn't that how you told me to say it? Oh, you are? Okay. Well, nowadays, it's email or she-mail. Isn't that? Huh? Now, I know a lot of men who are bigger gossips than our women, but you've got to admit, sometimes it's a good thing, because if you've got good news, you want to share it. Well, these people were sharing. It was noise. The people heard word got out, because everybody who had been touched by Jesus would be interested in Jesus being back at Capernaum. Everybody who knew somebody who had been touched by Jesus would be interested that Jesus was back. Everybody who was still just curious to see what was going on, how was Jesus really doing this, what was really, they would be interested. And, and, and i got to tell you, the telling would have been with joy. It would have been with expectation. It would have been with excitement. I can just see it. Say, did you hear? Did you hear? I mean, kind of like when the Sooners win a game or when they lose a game. Sometimes you tell it out, oh, yeah, we won, we won. I think, we, we're out, you out there playing that game? I don't remember you out there. What, what number are you? But we won, you remember? And the excitement's there, the joy is there, they want to share it. Well, when they were telling about Jesus, they'd say, did you hear Jesus is in the house? Hey, have you heard the news? Jesus is back. Hey, 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 are you going to see Jesus? And it was excitement. I understand and as a minister, I have to understand that our message of grace oftentimes is with tears because we are hurting for the, for the souls, for the lostness, for the brokenness of a culture and of the people around us. And many times our ministry of grace is going to be with tears, but our invitations to the Savior should at the same time, even if they are with tears, they should be with joy. They should be with excitement because when you get it, I know what you're getting. It's worth it. And so this invitation of, of bringing people to the Savior, bringing people to Vacation Bible School, bringing people to the, to, the, to the house of God should be with expectation and excitement. I beg you, please do not go out witnessing looking like you're an advanced man for the undertaker. Okay? Please don't do that. I mean, a joyless Christian is an oxymoron. It shouldn't be there. That should be two words that don't go together. And some of God's kids, I tell you, we look like we're baptized in pickle juice. But not these people. They were excited. They wanted to get down there where Jesus was. These people in the first century, they had good news, and they knew it. And friend, the word got out, and the people got in. Because this wasn't something that happens every day. Just any old day, Jesus is not down there. Just any old time, Jesus is not here. We're going to go see what's going on, because Jesus was in the house. This is a New Testament example of what we've been doing in people's homes around. This was, this was when a house church became a thing because they're having house church. They're doing it at someone's home, and it was exciting, and it was fun, and they all went down there. So 
what's with all the excitement? Well, hey, did you know Jesus is back? And, and like that thing today we call a flash mob, suddenly the house was full. And it says here that it was full to overflowing. Look at verse 2 with me again. Many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. They were in the floor. They were in the, behind the couch. They were out the window hanging their head in trying to see if they could hear. They were, you know, standing room only. Only this time, this gathering, and it's indicated here from Scripture, it was a little bit different than it has been up till this time. This group, as, as we can see here, they did not this time come just to find out what they could get out of Jesus. This time it looks as they, they came for more than just the miracles. Because so many times the, the crowds would come because they had a need. The crowds would come because they knew that somebody needed a deliverance or a healing or something, and they would come. Well, now it shows here, and it seems at least from the Scriptures as we read them, that it had broken over a place. It was like a, a change, like almost a page had turned. Now they weren't coming for the miracles He did. Now they weren't coming for the deliverances that they needed. Now they were coming for he himself. They were coming to see Jesus himself. It was as if it was finally dawning on them, this isn't just something special that's happening. This isn't just that once-in-a-lifetime something. No, we have someone that's special, someone that's unique, someone has arrived, and they were beginning to see that. And notice, this time around, his emphasis was on teaching. Is what it says. He was speaking the word to them. He preached the word to them. He spoke to them. He was teaching them. He wanted them to know more and more about God and His word, and He was explaining it to them. Now, He still did do miracles. We're going to find out next week. There was a major miracle that we still talk about, Sunday school, children's church. I'm telling you, it's one of the biggies next week. But the emphasis here is he taught them. He was speaking the word. They preached the word to them. Because as much as I love to see physical healing, as much as I believe in praying for the, for the healing and the physical needs of our bodies, guess what? Physical healing is temporary. Because Lazarus was raised from the dead, but you know what happened? He eventually died again. That person who had a, a, his twisted leg and it was straightened, that leg eventually passed away. But now, though physical healing will last a short time, spiritual truth lasts forever. Spiritual truth is going to go with us into heaven. The Bible says that God's word, oh God, is forever settled in heaven. And so the spiritual truth that we learn goes with us into eternity. So to summarize, and this is so key, the attraction that brings people to the house is Jesus himself. See, because the organization had not yet arisen. There was no organization. There wasn't anybody gathering them up. There wasn't anybody taking names at the door. There wasn't anybody passing an offering plate. There, the organization had not yet taken over. The rules of how you act at church had not been written yet. The regulations had not been added yet. See, <clears throat> this was before some men came along and turned Christianity into a religion. Because this was all about Jesus. They were looking to be with Jesus. They wanted to get where Jesus was. They ran to Jesus, and even though they knew this was going to be a short-term, temporary, just maybe a moment's time that they could be there with Jesus, it was a short-time encounter, but they wanted to go there. It's interesting to me that here, in this still almost embryonic phase of Jesus' ministry, this was that watershed moment. This was that page-turning moment of transition and revelation. As people, they stopped merely trying to access Jesus' power for their needs, and instead of accessing Jesus' power for their needs, they wanted to see Jesus because up until this time, they would come to Jesus to see what Jesus could command. 
And that's what they wanted. They would come to Jesus to see what Jesus could do for them. They would come to Jesus to find out what Jesus could give to them in the way of healing or need met. Now, they'd come for more than just access to the Savior. Now they came specifically for Jesus. They came for Him, for Jesus Himself. Not to the organization, but for Jesus, not for a movement. They came to Jesus. They didn't come to a program, a denomination, or some educated man. They came to Jesus. And they hadn't come to criticize. They had not come to critique. They had not yet come to catcall. Now, that was all coming. But so far, we understand they had come for Jesus. And that's why they were there. Now, that's the text. So, what can we glean here? Several things that I want to get, uh, get to, and then we'll get to the Lord's Supper here in just a few moments. First thing I want to show you, and I think it's fair to ask this question, and every believer, every Christian, every man, woman, boy and girl on the top side of the earth needs to answer and think about this question. Have you reached that page-turning moment, that watershed moment in your life when you leave off just seeking what Jesus can do for you and you've grown deeper in love with the Savior until you come to that moment and that place where all you really want is Jesus Himself? Has that happened in your life? I've got to be where I'm focusing on Jesus. Or Listen, we've got to have the vertical relationship. We've got to have it right. We've got to have it correct. We've got to have that established. That is to be saved. We've got to have that correct. That is that we are treating Him and, 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 and obeying Him as Lord. If we ever want to have real success with our horizontal relationships between people, back and forth with folks, we're going to have to be sure that our vertical relation ship is correct because I've got to come to that place and you've got to come to that place all mankind needs to understand the father-child relationship that God wants us to have he teaches us to pray our father you know what that implies me child okay and when we get to that place where my vertical relationship is I understand that he's my father and he looks at me as his child and I look at myself as his child guess what that vertical relationship is getting right and correct but also I need to look at myself as redeemed and Him as the Redeemer. That vertical relationship has got to be right and correct. As redeemed and redeemed. I need to realize and remember that I'm the creation. He's the creator. And as that relationship is correct, once I get the relationship with God correct, then taking the grace, love, and mercy that I've gotten from Him, I can give it horizontally to those people around me. I can give it to my grandchildren better because I've got it from the Lord. I can give it to my, my wife better because I've got it from the Lord. I can give it to my, my friends at work. I can give it to my management at the post office better because I've got it from the Lord and I'm bubbling over with it and I've got it to share. And horizontally it will work. You and I will never get the horizontal right until we have have the vertical right. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. You want to have abundant life with Him, but also with others. The only way to do that is to come. To, it's like coming to say, where, where am I going? What am I trying to find? Where am I looking for? I'm looking for Jesus. I want to come to Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is in the house. Now understand, sometimes we don't see Him. Sometimes we're not looking for Him. Sometimes we don't come looking for Jesus. But Jesus is in the house. We know that from Scripture because it says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So Jesus is in the house. So my invitation to you is if you need to get that vertical relationship right and correct for whatever thing that might be in the way there, keeping that vertical relationship correct, listen, we need to get that straight today. And I'm going to invite you today. At the end of this message, we're going to be in a time of invitation. And I'm going to invite you to come to Jesus, because Jesus is in the house. 
And He wants that vertical relationship right more than you do. Second thing I'd like to glean from these scriptures, and just again, two verses. If we are ever going to see New Testament results, if we are ever going to see New Testament power, we're going to have to start with the New Testament focus. New Testament focus. These people understood that all they really needed to do was get with Jesus, and Jesus could take care of the rest. You see, friends, as a church, as a, as a denomination, as the Christian church in general, this world needs to hear a united message from us, and our only message has got to start with Jesus. Our only message has got to contain Jesus. Our only message must end with Jesus. People say, what is this world coming to? I'll tell you, it's coming to Jesus. Because one day, you, I, and everybody else on this earth is going to stand before Him, either as our Savior, as our judge, one or the other. All the world is coming to Jesus. And our only message must start, contain, and end with Jesus. And by the way, my only hope, your only hope, our only hope must start, contain, and end with Jesus. And in any New Testament church, whether it's a, a family, there's no more than just their family having church in their home, to the church family, to a, a corporate church. Listen, we may have many functions. I mean, we may do a different things. A lot of people doing things at Vacation Bible School tonight and this week, probably not totally comfortable with, but we're going to do them because we're trying to minister and we want to get it done. Listen, you may have many functions, and in the Christian life, our lives progress. You may have multiple functions. You may do something next year you've never done before. Though we can have many functions, I would say to you, we can only have one focus. And that focus has got to be Jesus Himself. Because if you have many foci, plural of focus, my new favorite word, you can have many foci, and you know what will happen? Frustration will set in. It's like trying to juggle ten balls at once. Now, there may be somebody can do it, but that's going to take a lot of concentration, and stress is going to be there, and you'll get burned out real quick, and you try to focus on more than one thing at a time, though you may have many functions in the midst of that focus. Your focus has got to be Jesus and Jesus Himself, or frustration will come in, stress will start, feelings of inadequacy will fit in, and the depression will... St I'm telling you, that's what happens when you're trying to... It's like... It's like having too many boxes open at once. I mean, in, in, the, in my mind, I, have to, I come to the place where I think, boy, I've got 19 different folders open on my desk right now. Which one do I do? I don't know which one. Which one takes priority? I don't know which one to do. Close them all. Close them all. Sometimes I have to do that. I think in, in my head there's too many boxes open. Too many focus. Too many foci. And you're going to go downhill. We all need that, again, watershed, page-turning moment when all we want is Jesus. We all need that page-turning, watershed moment when all we want is Jesus, all we need is Jesus. And I'm here to tell you as a church, we've got to have that kind of a moment where all we offer is Jesus. That is Jesus' love, Jesus' mercy, Jesus' praise, Jesus' service. Do it in His name, knowing that what I'm actually giving you is Jesus. Then we've got something to offer. And so my second question to you is, have you been there? Or do you need to get there? Thirdly, this is finally, let me say this. I want people, <laughs> I want myself, and I want people saying about our church, this is what I want to hear them saying. You know, Jesus is in the house. Jesus is in the house. You go down there, you're going to hear about Jesus. You go down there, they're going to love on you in Jesus' name. You go down there, they're going to serve you, but they're going to always talk about Jesus. Because you go down there and Jesus is in that house, you can't get away from it. 
Let that be the reason why we do Vacation Bible School so people can hear, see, and know that Jesus is in the house. Let that be why we do False Creek so that people can hear, see, and know that Jesus is in the house. Let that be why we do Sunday School, why we provide a nursery, why we have praise and worship time, why we have prayer time so that people can see, hear, and know that Jesus is in the house. And let, let that be the why we do things. And by the way, let that be the why not when we don't do things. Because there's a lot of things we ought not to be doing that will prove or demonstrate that Jesus really isn't in the house. So we make choices not to do things. Let that be our reason as well. I want people, listen. Again, we're going to talk about a miracle next week. And I believe that God still does miracles. I believe that God still, still does healings. I believe that God is still involved in the minutia of our lives. And I want people to believe in miracles. I really do. But I want them to trust in Jesus. Because it's only Jesus that can do the miracle. I don't want us running to Jesus' miracles. I don't want us running to Jesus' signs and healings. I don't even want us running to Jesus' provisions and deliverance. I want to run to Jesus. My counsel to you as an individual, as a friend, as a pastor, as, a, as just a member of the community, when you have questions and worries, run to Jesus. When you have frustration and burnout, Run back to Jesus when you've lost your way. When I've lost my way, I'm going to run to Jesus. When I've lost my joy, when you've lost your joy, run to Jesus. When you're mourning a loss, run to Jesus. When I'm wondering how to live, I want to run to Jesus. When I'm wondering how to die, I want to run to Jesus. When I'm wondering how to be happy, I want to run to Jesus. When I'm wondering how to forgive, I need to run to Jesus. And when I'm wondering how I can be forgiven... You know, a lot of us, we're still at that place when we're wondering how God could ever really love me. And when you begin to wonder, how could God love me? Just turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace because you can run to Jesus. And that promise is for all of us. James 4, verse 8 says it like this, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. If you'll run to Jesus, He's already waiting to run to you. Friend, that's where we're at. The promise is for all of us who will run to Jesus. And that's what this Lord's table is talking about. See, what I'm going to invite you to do here in just a moment, we're going to have a, a, a short word of invitation. And if you're here this morning and you need a need met, I can encourage you to come to Jesus. See, our intention as a church is to invite people to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus so that you can adore Him. Because you can adore Him because He is worthy. You can adore Him because He is Savior. You can adore Him because He is Lord. And guess what? When you come to adore Him, He will accept you. Come to Jesus to allow Him to speak to you. Come to Jesus to allow Him to purify you. Come to Jesus to allow Him to sanctify you. And guess what? When you come to Jesus to allow Him to speak, sanctify, and purify, He will assist you in every moment of your life. Every decision that you make, He will assist you. If you'll come to Jesus and align with Him, that is, you call Him Lord, you align with Him by calling Him Beloved, Forgiver, Redeemer, Savior. Align with Him calling Him Father. He will add you to His family and call you His child. So my invitation this morning, God's invitation to you this morning, is come to Jesus. Some of you need to run to Jesus.
There may be some here this morning that need to be saved and they've never actually come to that place where they've repented of their sins and said, God, I just need your forgiveness and your salvation. If that's you, you can be saved this morning. Just come to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've already made that decision. You need to make that decision public. You can come. Come to Jesus. Maybe you need to join our church or just rededicate your life. Whatever the the need of your life might be, Jesus is here to help you to that next step in your life. Let's pray.